Researcher Matt, quick, give me the flex seal. Uh, yes, yes, flex, flex seal. No, glue. No, no. flex seal. Here. Yeah. All right. Got it. All right. It's down. Research, researcher Michael. Uh, I need. Uh, I need the yeah. chain. The chain. Oh, one second. One second. Let me go. Let me go grab the chain. Uh, shit. God damn it. Uh, you better not how, be grabbing the book. I need the actual. I need the actual chain on me. I. I know. I. J- I just want to know. Um, is it okay if it's broken? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fine if it's got a little little chink in it. It's 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 all right. Oh, okay. Here you go. Here you go. All right, securing it down. All right, researcher Matt, padlock. Right here. Right here. All right. Okay. All right. SCP seventy six hundred class Apollyon, one copy of Chain of Broken Memories by Mike Freeney is now sealed away from the world where nobody has to see it ever again. Lads, we did it. The world oh. is safe. Oh, thank oh, God. Thank God. Oh, you know, I I took a few of those amnestics. Um, so I, could you refresh me on what this SCP does? Oh no, I, I took I took amnestics too. I, I took them and I, I wrote a sticky note to myself that says Sergio of the Future, lock this book away and classify it as it as an Apollyon class SCP. No one's going to go oh. into this room. Matt, did do you know what the SCP does? Trust me. I wish I wasn't a high enough clearance to authorize me to not take amnestics. Damn. <laughs> so much sucking. <laughs> how much fucking? So much sucking. Yeah, but how much how much fucking? You don't want to know. Oh. You don't want to know. Okay, okay, okay. I'm, so, I'm, I'm sorry for asking. So, um, okay, well, now that we have the, uh, the Polyon level threat out of the way, what do we do now? What do we do now? Well, hello, I'm Sergio, and I'm one of the hosts of So You Think You Can Fan, and I'm joined, joining with me here today is, is Equi, also known as Michael, and Matt. How's Hi. everybody doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I'm I'm pretty all right. I mean, it's been, I've been off for a few days. Got to live a nice week without chain of memories. It was oh, pretty good. Yes. It was great. Very, yeah, I Wonderful. enjoyed it significantly more than having to read chain of memories. But I mean, I'm not going to be able to go far. I still have to work on the chain of stats. Yep. Uh. Well, so fucked. I wanted to gripe at you guys uh, something. I should have did this before the episode, but my the, the audience gets to hear my story about this really, really stupid exam that I took uh, this morning. Um, oh, yes. So what SCP instance is that? Seven, seven, nine, six, seven. Oh, OK. It's uh, it's it's safe. Don't don't worry. So my medical microbiology professor, who is an outstanding boomer told us on last Tuesday, your final exam is going to go up on Sunday for you to do. But if I'm having internet problems, it won't be. When will it be? I don't know. He didn't say. So Sunday rolls around. It's 4 p.m. 
I'm playing uh, Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy 2021. And I'm like, oh, crap, I forgot the exam's supposed to be today. So I pause the game and I alt tab and I go to uh, Moodle to see if the exam was posted. Nothing, nothing from the professor in the announcements. OK, I'll go back to playing my game. Tuesday, uh, the next class period rolls around. Um, <clears throat> he doesn't show up for class. It was the last class period. Didn't show up. Huh, that's weird. Let me check if the exam was posted. Still not posted. I wake up today, and I see that it's finally been posted. And I'm like, I got two hours before work. I'll take the exam, because it said I was going to need two hours to do it. Which, you know, you've probably taken a final exam before. They can be long in college. So, I click on mm -hmm. it. 15 questions. You know, I How open up... I open questions. I, 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 if, if, at first I was like, oh, is there, is there a written one? No, there's no written ones. It's all multiple choice. And so, you know, I pull up my Quizlet. I mean, it's basically open book, open note. I open the Quizlet. I look, get a few Wikipedia articles going. I get through the quiz. The final exam. It's basically a quiz. But I get to the last question and I notice something on the top right. A check my work option that doesn't mark you down and it tells you the right answer. Oh, no. I go back through it. I got every question correctly the first time, but I realized that I could have just done trial and error with the check my work. And so I submitted the final exam in the senior level microbiology class. And I got an A plus. I mean, well, we take those. We I, mean, take I, those. Mean, I mean, we, we definitely take, take those. those. But uh, one, I'm just absolutely frustrated that this like, this this exam that I knew nothing about that he just posted randomly uh, was f not only fifteen questions, not only incredibly easy, but it only took me ten goddamn minutes, and, the, and, it, and it was a two hour test. Like that's just strange. Bruh. I, I feel like there's got to be more to this story, man. Could could you imagine getting up, driving to school, sitting down for your final exam? You get it done in ten minutes, then it's like time to drive home. I mean, I don't think I would mind that, but at the same time, the college that I went to in person, when I did go to in-person college, um, since it was an art school, we really didn't have any final exams. Like, the our, our final exam was, like, our work. We just put it out there. So, like, it, like, the last, like, main standardized test I've ever had to take was in high school. And I will say that if I was in high school... And I was and I was given like this. It was it was, you know, hyped up. It was this very big deal. And I was handed just a sheet of fucking paper and it was a one sided 15 multiple choice questions and I could open book it. And for some reason, if I flipped it over and it had the answers on the back. Yeah, I'd be pretty upset, too. Imagine your school did give you a final exam. You drive an hour to Detroit. You go you go to the school and they're like, draw a cube or I don't know. Here's some art history questions <laughs> with the answers on the back. And you're like, well, I got to drive an hour and get back home. It'd be more, it'd be more like uh, I get there and they're like, okay, I want you to just draw a stick man. Th that would be like, it's really like you can fuck up a cube. It's really hard to fuck up a stick man. Yeah. That or, they, or like they tell you like here, you know, how like draw this character like perfectly. And then they just give you tracing paper and a light table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was about to say here, draw this very convoluted thing, but you get to trace it, and you just trace it. And you yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, I. That sucks, man. That really sucks. 
I, I really hope that there's probably more to the story because, uh, man, that's wild. But, uh, Matt, I've noticed that you're the only one who hasn't sent in their, uh, their link to their SCP for today. Oh, he sent it a while ago in general. Yes. Oh, in yes. general. Okay. You fuck. Uh, yeah, I can't I, remember. I will, I will which read. One it was. It was I got it. Would, wasn't would it? like to go first. Uh, let's see, Matt. Mm. Would you? What would you classify your SCP as? Would it be funny, fun concept, or unsettling? Let's see here. I let's see. Mine was seventeen thirty, right? It's been a while since yes. I looked yeah. at that link. Yeah, seventeen thirty. Uh, seventeen thirty is a pretty long one. It's. Okay. We might not get through all of it. It's so long. It's it's a oh. big one, but well, I guess I'll, I'll save that one for last because uh, yeah. mine's not super long. And you know what? We might as well start off with something that's like a fun concept. So there. By the way, I am gonna say this right now that there it does reference another SCP, but I can just explain to you what it is when we get to okay. it. All right. Item number SCP seventeen fifty six. Object class. Safe. Special Containment Procedures. SCP-1756 is to be kept in a locked safe in the audiovisual wing of Site-73. A television, compatible remote control, and compatible cables and power adapter are to be provided in Room 346 for testing by researchers Level 2 and higher. All playbacks produced by SCP-1756 are to be filmed and archived for future analysis. A complete video archive of Siskel and Ebert at the movies and its uh, predecessor programs is to be maintained on site for comparison of SCP-1756 recordings to existing episodes. Testing involving SCP objects in optical disc format or any other foundation-produced recordings shall require approval from the site director. Description. SCP-1756 is a Panasonic RV-31K Region 1 DVD player, manufactured in 1999. Serial number redacted. SCP-1756 is externally identical to all other DVD players of its model and production date. Internal examination indicates that SCP-1756 has undergone aftermarket modification to allow it to play non-Region 1 DVDs. Attempts to replicate SCP-1756's anomalous properties by similar modif similarly modifying standard DVD players of the same type have been unsuccessful. SCP-1756 is capable of accepting and producing its primary effect with all 12-centimeter optical discs regardless of format or region coding, including DVD, HD-DVD, Blu-ray, CD-ROM, and DVD-ROM, music CDs, and and prepared, 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 preparatory, you know what I'm saying. Optical yeah. disc formats used in video game consoles. SCP-1756's anomalous properties manifest when it is powered on and connected to a television, and an optical disc is inserted into the disc tray and played. Instead of playing the video or audio content encoded on the disc, the television will display a recording from 6 to 11 minutes in length appearing to be a segment from the American television program Siskel and Ebert at the movies. In all documented cases, the recording resembles the format of the original television show. 
in which Chicago-based film critics Gene Siskel and Roger Ebert discuss and debate movies currently in theatrical release and offer their individual opinions about whether the film is worth seeing with a thumbs-up or thumbs-down gesture. Examination of the recordings indicates that the set scene therein is identical to the set used by the television series during the 1992 and 1996 seasons, and that Siskel and Ebert appear to be approximately the same age as they were during the same time period. When the disc inserted is a motion picture that it was reviewed on the original series, the content of the review will be identical to the original review featured on the program. When the content of the disc is not is a movie not featured or released after Siskel and Ebert's death in 1999 and 2013, respectively, is a visual recording other than a theatrically released motion picture, e.g. Uh, television shows, news, broad- news broadcasts, amateur films, or home films, video games, etc., or is not a visual recording at all, an original recording will be produced in which Siskel and Ebert review the material as if it were a theatrically released motion picture. In these reviews, the critics will speak in a manner similar to the tone affected by the critics on the original series, with Siskel often critiquing individual aspects of the content, such as animation, acting, sound quality, etc., and Ebert analyzing the content from a more emotional, collective perspective. So before we get into these uh, experiments, genuine question, what would be the first thing that you put inside of this DVD player? Morbius. <laughs> Shut the fuck up! <laughs> Find that the rise of Skywalker. Okay, Matt. It can be anything as long as it's on a disc. <laughs> as long as it's on any kind of a disc at all. Yes, yes. As long as it's on a like a, a standard twelve centimeter disc. <laughs> Better give, better give me a good fucking one. I would love to watch Siskel and Ebert review Boss of the Gym. <laughs> okay. What is Boss at the Gym? What the fuck is Boss at the Gym? How do you two wait? Not is that the know? fucking? Wait, is that the? Is that the? Is that the BDSM? Hey, buddy! Looks porno? like he came in the wrong door. Leather oh pumps my god! Down. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's start off with the experiments. <laughs> Experiment seventeen fifty six one. Date twenty. Content of disc: The Crying Game, nineteen ninety two. Summary of recording: Identical in content to original series review. Experiment seventeen fifty six three. Date twenty. Content of Disc, Blade Runner 1982, Director's Cut Version 1992. Similar in content to the original series review, except that neither Siskel nor Ebert make any mention of the narration by Harrison Ford, which was featured in the th- original theatrical release and omitted from the Director's Cut. Experiment 1756-7. It's the same fucking date. Content of Disc, Brokeback Mountain 2005. <laughs> <laughs> Summary of Recording. The film receives praise from both critics, with Ebert's comments largely resembling his published 2005 review of the film and Siskel making note of director Ang Lee's cinematography and declaring that star Heath Ledger has, quote, a long and promising career ahead of them. Both critics gave the film a thumbs up. Experiment 1756-17. 
1999 episode of At the Movies in which Ebert paid tribute to Gene Siskel following his death that year, including footage from Siskel's memorial service. Summary of recording. While expressing confusion at why the program received a theatrical release, both critics responded favorably, with Siskel describing it as, quote, a somber and bittersweet reminder of one's own mortality, and Ebert humbly praising his own work as executive producer. Both critics agree that the body of Siskel, as seen lying in response during the memorial service, quote, plays the part better than Laurie Goldman. Both critics gave the film a thumbs up, which the footnote says that Larry Goldman is the actor who appeared in 1998's Godzilla playing as, quote, Gene, a character intended by director Ronald uh, Roland Emmerich as a parody of Siskel in retribution for his negative review of Independence Day in 1996. Hmm. Experiment 1756-21. Content of disc. Mass Effect video game 27, er, 2007. The game receives a mixed review as critics <laughs> spend much of the segment arguing about various points and questioning whether they watch the same movie. Siskel states that the protagonist, Commander Shepard, who he identifies as being played by Mark Mir, gives a wooden delivery of his lines and behaves more like a Boy Scout or comic book superhero than a starship captain, while Ebert describes Shepard, played by Jennifer Hale, as, quote, a take-no-prisoners feminist action hero in the tradition of uh, Sigourney Weaver, and cites her taboo romance with a feminine alien from a monogendered species as a bold move for a mainstream sci-fi flick. The critics agree that supporting actor Raphael Sbarge, who Ebert identifies as having co-starred with Hale in, quote, one of the dozens of Star Wars prequels to hit the big screen in recent years, plays fundamentally the same character as in his previous role, but described his sacrifice near the end of Act 2 as one of the film's better moments. Siskel notes that the film is planned to be first installment of a trilogy and expresses hope that Mir will grow into the role. Siskel gives a thumbs down. Ebert gives a thumbs up. I want to say something in regards to that, because um, I, I think it's interesting. That's how it handles the um, the choice based nature of the game. But uh, if you aren't if, if, if you don't get the reference, uh, uh, Raphael Sabarge and Jennifer Hale were both in uh, Knights of the Old Republic, where I do agree that Caden and Karth, which is his character in Knights of the Old Republic, are basically the exact same uh, character type in that they both simp over you if you are a female and they're like, oh, I have a crush on you, and it's like, go, go away. Karth slash Caden, I don't like you. Your character isn't very good. So this is where things get a little funky. 1756-28, content of disc, 12 hours of live ABC news coverage of the September 11, 2001 attacks on the World Trade Center and Pentagon, beginning with the initial interruption of scheduled programming and ending with President George W. Bush's War on Terror nationwide address. Summary of recording. Both critics praise the vermicitule of film's special effects, describing it as one of the best Fox documentaries since Orson Welles' War of the Worlds, 1938, and marveling at the number of on-air news personnel playing themselves. With Siskel finding the choice of cast Texas Governor George W. Bush as the president both interesting and unusual. Ebert praises Osama bin Laden, who he describes as the director of the film, for his bold critique of America's national defenses and satirical outlook on foreign opinions of our country. Though he questions his decision to insert himself into the film as a prime suspect in organizing the attacks, both critics give a thumbs up. 
that's experiment. Fucked. Yeah, gotta remember that this th- this entire thing treats whatever you insert it as a film. Yeah. Yes. Experiment seventeen fifty six thirty six. Content of disc. Frampton comes alive. Disc one. Music albums nineteen seventy six. CD deluxe edition two thousand one. Summary of recording. Ebert describes the album as one of his favorites of all time and states that he greatly enjoyed the opportunity to listen to it in digital THX audio, though he is disappointed by the fact that the presentation ends halfway through the album and hopes a theatrical release of the second half is pending. Siskel, in contrast, is disappointed by the lack of any concert footage or other visual accompaniment to the music and states that he could listen to music in the dark at home if he desired to, rather than spending money to do so at the theater. Siskel gives a thumbs down. Ebert gives a thumbs up. Well. Experiment hmm. 175638. Content of disc. Classics of Literature. A 1997 Windows CD-ROM containing the text of 130 public domain novels. Summary of recording. Both critics praise the ability to hear some of the greatest novels of all time narrated by their original authors, with Siskel describing author John Milton's narration of Paradise Lost as particularly moving, and Ebert finding Victor Hugo's uh, recitation of Les Miserables excellent, but questioning his choice to read it in English rather than his native French. Both critics questioned the running time of the film at approximately 1,600 hours, While Ebert calls it a great value for the admission price, he claims that he spent several thousand dollars on concessions during the screening and apologizes to the audience for the 12-week hiatus that At The Movies took while he and Siskel were attending the screening. Both critics give a thumbs down, agreeing that if broken into smaller installments, the film would be more enjoyable. Hmm. So this is the one that I will describe in a moment once I talk about it. Experiment 175641, Content of Disc. A recording of Murder on the Orient Express, 1974, as affected by SCP-1989. Basically, what 1989 does is... So you know Laserdisc, right? Yes. Yeah. You know, So you know how at a certain point you have to flip the disc? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. So what this does is when any disc previously inserted into SCP-1989 is removed, inverted, and reinserted, the content of the film is changed. When play resumes, the image on the screen is also inverted and gravity within the filmed environment adjusts accordingly. Within the first few seconds of playback, any unsecured objects, scenery, or characters appear to collide with the new bottom of the scene, whether it be the ceiling or open sky. At no point, however, is the narrative broken. That's really funny. Summary of recording. Ebert introduces the segment as part of a recurring series on the works of Redacted, which he describes as, quote, an artistic collective that's been taking the film world by storm. Ebert praises the cinematic device of showing the altered film on a TV screen being filmed by another camera and the digital manipulation of the original film footage to present the on-screen actors responding to the inversion of their world. Siskel praises the technical execution of the movie, but finds it unoriginal and derivative of the group's earlier work, and compares it unfavorably to previous films of the group, such as Man Being Eaten by No Shark, Sad Man, which he describes as being a seven-hour-long continuous shot of an atomic bomb sitting on a pedestal, and Cheese. Siskel gives a thumbs down, Ebert gives a thumbs up. What do you think? I think I, I remember hearing about good. this SCP a long time ago. It's a very creative and fun SCP. Yeah. 
Like that, that's it, the only uh, reason I decided to take it. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of well, well, it's very much uh, uh what we series two one thousand series uh, um, it's it's very benign, it's very harmless, but it's just interesting because your mind starts to to wonder like, oh, well, you know, what would I put in this to see what they talk about? Yeah, like my favorite series of SCPs, uh, I believe is SCPs two through four, roughly. Like that's where I think some of the best mm. of the works are, like. The series two are just like it gets your mind wondering, which I think is really interesting. And they also have a lot of really creative ones out there, like Solve for Bear. Uh, while like as you get further on, things get more and more fucked up and more narrative as you read further into the uh, SCP uh, logs. The 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 six thousand series has really been wowing me, and they're like the changes to the pages and the format uh, screws. Yeah. Like yeah, honestly, really I don't think I've read a, read a, read a bad one in series. Oh, sorry. Yeah, six thousand series. Yeah, six thousand series or series seven. Uh, I don't think I've read a bad one from the six thousand series. They're all basically bangers. Not certified hood mm-hmm. classics though, because banger is not doesn't have its hood certification, but still very good nonetheless. Hmm. Also, that just. Uh... Uh... Sorry, you can go, and I'll say my thing. Well, I was just going to say, they've really raised the bar quite a bit with uh, the 6,000 series. Uh, but I was going to say, like, imagine if we did an episode uh, just, like, explaining our, our, our like, uh, slang word. Like, what makes a certified hood classic? What is a banger? What is straight bussin'? <laughs> like, just you know, putting definitions a, for them. That, like, there was, um, I was re-listening to our uh, interview with the fanfic Maverick. And uh-huh. she mentioned that we should do like a lore episode where we just talk mm-hmm. about like the behind the scenes stuff. I feel like that, if anything, would be like where we explain some of our terminology, like chud and uh, <laughs> yeah, like certified hood I, I, classic. I, I, I will I will say, though, I, I adopted certified hood classic as part of my lingo when at uh, Yomacon 2020 uh, at a tokusatsu panel, the uh the, the the guy in front uh called it uh a called Ultraman a certified hood classic and I thought that was so funny so I decided to just make it part of my vocabulary. Yeah, we we'll have to go into some of the the weird mannerisms that we have and just do like a whole lore episode where we just talk about our dumb <laughs> word things, our dumb ideas. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, then, who's, we should probably get who's back next? into it. Sergio, yeah. I believe you're next. Yes. All right. So mine is SCP-6091. Um, <clears throat> item number, I just said it. Object class, Keter. Special containment procedures. Foundation personnel are to be embedded in all major transport hubs going in and into and out of the Soviet Union and Warsaw Pact-aligned political entities. Anyone affected by SCP-6091 is to be detained, questioned, given amnestics corresponding to their time within the USSR. Foundation agents working within the USSR are advised to use caution when staying within the Stalingrad Oblast. Uh, for those who don't know, Oblast is... Uh, Slavic for a administration region, uh, basically like a province or a state within the country, and acquire whatever information uh, possible on SCP-6091 
the footnote notes that uh, Stalingrad is now called Volgograd, so Volgograd Oblast. Agents are warned that agents within GRU Division P have similar orders to detain any SCP-6091 affected individuals, and thus it is of high priority to remove any affected persons from Soviet-aligned states before symptoms begin manifestation. Description. 1691 is a phenomenon randomly affecting humans passing through the area of the Stalingrad Oblast within the Soviet Union. Symptoms of 1691 include increased anxiety, burning sensation within the skull, and if left untreated, will escalate to full psychosis. When asked about the nature of their psychosis, patients have simply reported simply that it's watching me. While much about 1691 is unknown, amnestic regimens have proven effective in curing its symptoms, provided they remove the memory surrounding the afflicted individual who is presumably infected. Due to political complexities, additional information regarding 1691 has been incredibly difficult to acquire. Its nature of transmission, geographic spread, and physical appearance, if it possesses any, are unknown. However, statistical analysis of 1691 affected persons has revealed that during their time in the Soviet Union, anecdotal evidence of when symptoms first manifested suggests that 1691 is some way connected with the historical battles fought in the area during World War II. Update. Due to no information, current contained procedures are judged incomplete. Edits pending. In 1991, when the Soviet Union was disbanded, several members of the Soviet Paranormal Research Agency and Response Agency, Group Division P, defected to the Foundation, bringing a wide array of documents dating back decades and shedding light on previously unknown anomalies. Research into 1691 and the Volgograd Oblast revealed a file dating back to World War II, labeled simply as Wrath, enclosed below. Efforts to corroborate these accounts with the Global Occult Collection Coalition are ongoing. Relative Documentation 423-1942 uh, 2-515-1942 Report on Reconnaissance over Rezekne Date 423 Allocated Forces 4 Yakolev Fighters 4 Pilots Casualties uh, 50% Objective Recon on German positions to the north above the city of Rezekne Outcome Failure uh, Matt, would you like to play the Colonel? I sure would. <clears throat> Let's take a look. See here. Uh, which part? Dang it! Reset my the notes. here, Colonel Vasily. Yes. Okay. On uh four twenty three nineteen forty two to five fifteen nineteen forty two. Okay. Yes, the, <clears throat> the first one. Objective: reconnaissance on German positions to the north above the city of Rezekne. It was a failure. Allocated forces were four Yakolev fighters and four pilots. What? Well, no, I just read that. I just read the, read the notes. Yes, I am. I wanted to get into character, Sergio. Okay, sorry. Notes. Air wing. Failed to penetrate. German air defense screen. Luftwaffe presence unusually strong in area, as were German ground forces. Had to fall back or face destruction. Recommend additional operations to determine nature of military buildup on this portion of the front. Should I just do the next one? Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Report on reconnaissance in force over Rezekne. Allocated 12 fighters and 12 pilots. Lost 10 fighters and 9 pilots. The objective was to perform reconnaissance in force on German positions to the north over the city of Rezekne. It was a failure. Notes. 
Airwing nearly destroyed by Luftwaffe forces. Luftwaffe presence far stronger than initially predicted. German ground forces confirmed to be in excess of other portions of the front. Recommend additional ground forces for potential German assault. Surviving pilots Lieutenant Romanov uh, and Ivanov report visual distortions behind German lines, but could not get close enough to confirm its source. Colonel Vasily Kudetsov. Report right, on Bialysk. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a different. It's a, it's the general. So I'll. Yeah, take it's this. the general this time. Report on Bialysk pocket encirclement. Here's Sergio Butcher's Slavic pronunciations. The episode date 431-1942. Allocated forces fourteen hundred infantry, six T thirty fours. Casualties twelve of those T thirty fours and twelve hundred infantry. Objective: slow German advance. Outcome: failure. German panzer divisions encircled the town within days, too quickly to reinforce them adequately. Recommend continuing withdrawal from sector to secondary defensive echelon. Encircled troops will continue to delay German advance from within the pocket. General Vladimir Kirov. Update on the encirclement. A day later from General Kirov. Germans have destroyed pocket of encircled troops in Bielisk with incredible speed, even for the Germans. Fighters sent to determine viability of air resupply turned back with heavy resistance. There are repeat reports of intent visual distortions within the pockets. Report on Trebalinsk pocket encirclement, uh, May 7th, 1942. Allocated forces, 6,500 infantry, 35 T-34s, 30 artillery pieces. All 30 of those artillery pieces were taken out, 34 T-34s, and 6,000 infantry. If, you've not, if you are familiar with Soviet history, this is how their battles tend to go, unfortunately. They lose a lot of men. <clears throat> Objective, slow German advance. Outcome, failure. Notes, we are expecting... Bialysk to hold up to the Germans for longer. Without its encirclement to divert their resources, they were able to capture Trebolinsk with a sizable force. However, we are getting sporadic reports from the forces trapped within the pocket via radio, so at least we were able to keep in contact with their trapped soldiers. Update on the encirclement, same day. Edit General Kirov. The Trebolinsk pocket is reporting strange activity. The Germans aren't trying to collapse their forces in on them. In fact, they're holding a defensive perimeter on the pocket, almost like they're afraid of something, which doesn't make sense. They've surrounded our forces. Why not start closing in? Updates pending. Update. Contact with the Trebolinsk pocket is becoming more and more intermittent. It does not appear to be technological issues on either side of the transmission. Possibility of German jamming has been brought up. Next day update. Recon flights alongside of the Luftwaffe area of control have reported exceptionally vivid visual distortions within the pocket. Said distortions may make future aerial reconnaissance unreliable. Update. Uh, we have lost contact with the Trebolinsk pocket. Report on Kamarov po pocket encirclement. Uh, allocated forces, uh, 12,000 infantry, 24 T-34s. T-34s and 80 artillery pieces, almost complete uh, destruction of Russian forces. Objective, slow German advance, outcome failure. Notes, the Germans have struck again. Without the Trebolinsk pocket to delay them, they could press forward with their assault before we were ready. The Kamarov pocket is still in contact and has assured us that they will fight to the last. However, we can't count on our countrymen delaying the Germans. Our strategic retreat must be accelerated. It is vital that we continue to fall back to the Volga River. Update on the encirclement. 
uh, same day. We are losing contact with the camera off pocket. The distortions are becoming so vivid, we can see them from the hills by our camp. Homes and roads leading one direction and camera off change the moment you look away. When we look, make contact with the pocket, soldiers within this confirm this is no hallucination or trick of the light, as if reality itself is being reshaped. Worse still, even those terrible reports are getting more and more sporadic, and whatever this is continues to rapidly break down our radio communications. Unfortunately, while I am loath to go anywhere near that town, I suspect information is going to be the key to victory against this foe, and the only Soviet soldiers who know anything about this weapon are dying in Kamarov. I have spoken to Comrade Stalin himself about the situation on the ground, asking to lead a relief mission, extract anyone who has encountered this German superweapon. Kamarov pocket uh, relief mission report. Uh, 514. Um, <clears throat> uh, we got about half infantry and tank losses. Doing a little bit better. Relieve Kamarov pocket in order to acquire first-hand information on the German weapon. Outcome? Success. It cost thousands of my men, and the Germans almost encircled us in the process. As we retreated, the distortions got closer with every passing minute. I personally saw T-34s driving on an open road, only to look away for a second as a shell threw dirt over us. When I looked back, the tank had slammed into a townhouse that we had passed a mile back. Eventually, we would have to leave several hundred troops behind to delay it, or we would never have gotten out. Their sacrifice will be honored. In the end, we extract only 500 men from an army of 10,000. I hope this was worth it transcript of private petrov debrief who would like to be private petrov i will be private petrov go right. right ahead interviewed private ivan petrov survivor of kamarov encirclement interviewer general vladimir kirov begin log petrov says nothing <clears throat> private private can you hear me he slowly nods private petrov i want you to know this is a matter of national security the very Soviet Union's existence might depend on you. He nods again. Look at me, soldier. I can't, sir. What? I I can't. I saw it. You saw it? I still see it. Every time I open my eyes. I, are, I already oh, opened. Sorry. Yeah, that's me, fuckass. I already opened my eyes for too long. I kept my eyes all open all the way here. If I open my eyes anymore, I I would see it again, and it will see me. I'm sorry, sir. Private, you have nothing to be sorry for. Private, you are the only one who saw th what this thing did and lived to tell the tale. We need to stop this thing from hurting more people like you. Can you help us? Yes. And then there is uh, a thing here in Russia. Oh, it's a, it's an open. Um, yeah, it's a link. All right. Uh, date 5-16-1942. Uh, report on German weapon codenamed Wrath. Generates field capable of disrupting radio communications. Cannot be perceived by humans without extreme pain. Rough dimensions comparable to a Panzer III tank. Generates beams of distortion that rearrange reality. Reality distortions affect larger and larger structures the closer to the weapon. Objects in motion appear to be unaffected by the weapon unconfirmed. Objects under direct observation appear to be unaffected by the weapon unconfirmed. Note, this is the information as well as the past location data that have been forwarded to Stalin as well as our allies in the United States and Great Britain. General Vladimir Kirov. Uh, correspondence between Colonel Vasily Kunetsov and General Vladimir Kirov, 617-1942. Uh, from Vasily to uh, Kirov. Matt, will you take this? I was informed that you wish to be kept abreast of any potential unusual German formations around Stalingrad. 
as my pilots were the first to identify this German super weapon. I suspect I know exactly what you are looking for. The good news is I found it. Better news is it is here at the outskirts of Stalingrad. Oh, oh thank you, Mom. <clears throat> Sorry, boys. Got some food just here. <clears throat> the bad news is it is here at the outskirts of Stalingrad. Are you sure? Uh, I sent it. Romanova and Ivanov with full squadrons of escorts to confirm. They both agreed that the distortions on the ground were the same. If that wasn't enough, half of their escorts fell out of the sky when distortions to the air around them caused them to stall. The other half don't exactly know why that happened, but we'll swear to a commissar about what happened. Apparently, the Germans have finally figured out how to get their monster to aim to the sky. I'm sure Ivanov, Ivanov has this handled. If the Germans are using it that openly, so close to the front, they are more confident about using their weapon. Pull your planes away from that area. No point in wasting men pointlessly. Are you sure? Do not want to lose sight of this weapon. Do not worry. This is Stalingrad. We have people on the ground. Recon operation report. Date 625-1942. Uh, allocated forces, 10 scouting teams, 7 sniper teams. Lose about half of those. Objective, determine location of German weapon codenamed Wrath. Outcome, failure. Of all the forces involved, all of the lost scouting teams can be accounted for with those casualties due to conventional enemy action. Of the sniper teams, three were unsuccessful and returned safely. Two were lost to conventional enemy action, two unaccounted for. Presumed killed by the weapon. Looks like they lost an extra sniper team in there somewhere. A transcript mm -hmm. of Lieutenant Pavlichenko debrief. Uh, interviewed Ludmilla Pavlichenko, Snovia sniper, a.k.a. Lady Death. Oh, I love this chick. She's awesome. Um, <clears throat> uh, you want me to switch roles? Who would like to be the lieutenant? <clears throat> I can be the lieutenant. I'll be lieutenant. Oh. I'll have, I'll I'll have Matt it. do it since... Uh, he, you were the private last time. Okay. All right. <clears throat> You're late. I'm alive. Which doesn't mean much if you didn't bring me any useful information. I did. I saw the creature you are looking for. I find that hard to believe. The last man who saw it is a gibbering mess in a padded cell after he tried to claw his eyes out. Well, I saw something floating. Spherical, the size of a tank, and when it spotted me, half the buildings on my street changed positions. Go on. I had crawled for days through the rubble, nearly got caught by Germans multiple times, kept getting lost because the streets and buildings kept changing position. I walked past the same fucking German checkpoint three times. Well, you clearly found your way out. One night, while I was looking at the stars, the street outside changed position twice, but I wasn't looking. Your point, Lieutenant Pavlichenko, now. I told you, I was stargazing, and I realized that despite the building changing, the stars didn't change position. The environment was changing, but you weren't changing location. Duh. Once I realized that... It was simply a matter of maintaining my bearings and ignoring the environment around me. Found the German camp fairly easily after that and staked them out. Their security was terrible. 
probably thought nobody could get through distortions. And? And one day, they brought something out. It was big. T-34 size at least, possibly larger. It was floating, and they had it covered with a cloth tarp. So that is how they're transporting it without going mad. It is clever. If I didn't know better, I'd have thought it was a large weather balloon. Only when I was close enough, I could see something wriggling under the bag to my skull. Unfortunately, I I think it noticed me. Noticed you? Well, something began pushing off the cloth, and the room I was in began to get physically smaller and smaller. It got to the point where I had to use my rifle to keep the walls from collapsing in on me, and even then, that only barely slowed it. How did you survive? Ironically, the Germans. I think the distortions began affecting the rest of the camp too, so they thought the creature had gone rogue. The handlers had strange goggles with glowing wires on them. They had no problem looking at the creature with its bag pulled off, and they began shooting at it. It let out some screech and began bleeding through the bag before coming down. But by then, the walls had expanded enough again that I could flee. Where were the exact coordinates of the camp? Redacted. By the... Redacted. Perfect. We can redirect our operations around it and keep an eye on that sector. Good job, Pavlichenko. You may have given the keys to the end of this weapon. Thank you, sir. I hope the coordinates are useful. Lieutenants, you have told us much more than that. Sir? You told us it bleeds, and if it bleeds, we can kill it. And log. All right, who would like to be the president? Franklin D. I Roosevelt. I want to be the president. Mark you can president. be the president. We've read about your little wrath problem in the Southern Front. We have our little strategic initiative in the works that has been encountering our own anomalous problems when fighting the Nazis. We're sending some gear and one of our best men. Good luck and Godspeed. Franklin D. Roosevelt. Assessment of Special Advisor Reynolds. Commander Reynolds' expertise has been a boon to our efforts in fighting the Germans. I do not know where he acquired them, but the dozen goggles he brought with them are genuine. I had Lieutenant Pavlichenko look them over, and she confirms they are the same the Germans were using to stare at the creature without succumbing to madness. She was so certain, she offered to take them to the front and test them herself. Such assurances satisfy me. Though how the capitalists got this the, got these without ever having a present on the continent still makes me wonder. Uh, it says, Relevant documentation provided by the GOC has revealed that the goggles were acquired from an allied occult initiative raid on an obscure corpse facility in Königsberg earlier in the year, uh, which I believe is in Poland. Uh, the issue I would raise is not with the material our allies have provided. It is... It is with the manpower. Reynolds knows what he is doing, for sure. His Russian is passable, and his knowledge of esoteric and science is unparalleled. Already he has told us more about our enemy than we have learned in months. Now we know which shadow branch of the Nazi party is responsible for his weapon, the Obscura Corps. However, Reynolds is almost too knowledgeable. He is brash, flashy, and all, above all, American. He is quite certain that he can solve this problem with simply the right implements and magic. I hope he is right, but I am worried he is not. 
Update to the Reynolds assessment. Commander Reynolds has requested the ability to lead a strike team to take on the creature in this in a stealth operation. I am currently leaning towards turning him down. The creature has destroyed small armies of men with bullets and bayonets. What can one mage do? He claims that precision strikes in German installations is how he does it in his operations, but this is the Red Army, not the Allied Occult Initiative. We operate on certainties, not hopes. Yeah, see, we're the Red Army. We're used to getting millions killed to take a, take a small patch of land. Come on. Americans. That's not how you do things. Yeah. <clears throat> not hours after I rejected Reynolds' proposal, he called his organization back in Britain. I do not know how he did so, but within days, he was shipped strange and fantastical weaponry. He has begun publicly testing the weaponry among those aware of wrath, and openly discussing how he would kill it. I think he is starting to sway people, and for all, I disagree with him. Even if I have to admit, a gun that shoots lightning is impressive. General Vladimir. Yo, Kirby. Call of Duty Zombies, Pog? Based? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I, I thought, I, I just thought to games like that and Wolfenstein of like the kind of like the style of like lightning thrower that he got. Then they lost uh, 21 fighters and all but one of the pilots for those 21 fighters. And, and then, they do this again and again. And then, <laughs> three and again. times. All right, Vasily, give, give, me, give me a sit rep. The situation in the airspace over Stalingrad is rapidly becoming untenable. It's expanded its field of fire to almost the whole city. Do you know how hard it is to fly when the very air around you changes positions at a moment's notice while you're being shot at by German flakken fighters? I can't keep wrath a secret when it is annihilating entire squadrons. I can't get any more pilots into the air, even under threat of execution. They're saying there's an air defense system that makes it impossible to even approach the German lines. You need to do something. Now, before it gets out and spreads panic in the army. <sighs> Update to the Reynolds assessment. I asked for Commander Reynolds for a private test of this weapon, and after he explained the basics of what it did, how it worked, and what a lightning elemental was, I told him I would allow him to go on his mission. I was going to ask him which men he wanted for his mission, but before I could finish, he had a, a list of volunteers whipped out and pushed in front of my face. He's leaving tonight through something called a way, which none but those on the mission are allowed to see. All I know is that it is some method of getting to the German camp undetected. The infiltration team looked quite intimidating, dressed in black, carrying massive weapons, and wearing half of those German goggles he delivered. Truthfully, I hope Reynolds and his team succeed, but my gut and thousands of dead soldiers, I don't believe he will. In the event my gut is correct, I have sent Lieutenant Pavlichenko with her own pair of esoteric goggles to monitor the situation. General Kirov. Operation David. Allocated forces, one American commander, four infantrymen, casualties, TBD. Objective, find, infiltrate infantry lines, destroy the German weapon, codenamed Wrath. Outcome and notes are 2BD, TBD. Uh, Update on Operation David. Notes, at 2.04 a.m., three hours after Reynolds and his team were deployed, there was a crack like thunder across Stalingrad. I do not think a man in the city didn't notice it, and if they didn't, they definitely noticed the ripples of distortions following behind it. I was sitting at my desk when the first tremor hit, and when I blinked, my tent was suddenly facing the opposite direction. After that point, there was gunfire from behind German lines. More cracks echoed across the city, echoed by distortions, but the cracks were decreasing in frequency until finally, lightning arced from the German lines in the sky and all was silence. If I didn't know better, I would say I saw a sneering, angry face in that lightning. 
Update, 7-10-1942. Lieutenant Pavlichenko returned from a mission behind enemy lines is being debriefed concerning the fate of Commander Reynolds and his team. Unfortunately, it was a failure, and Reynolds and his infantrymen were killed. Diplomatic missive from the Red Army to the U.S. Office of the President. We regret to inform you, your government, inform your government that your advisor, Commander John Reynolds, has died in the line of duty, attempting to eliminate the German weapon codename Wrath. We also regret to inform you that Wrath is still fully operational. Rest assured, we will not stop until it is destroyed. General Vladimir Kirov. President, respond back. We are sorry about Reynolds. His family has been notified. He was a good man and will be missed. But we have some information that might interest you. We don't think Commander Reynolds was quite as ineffective as you believe. FDR. <clears throat> Operation Kronos Proposal. Uh, 60,000 infantry, 80 T-34s, 2,000 artillery pieces. Yeah, that, that sounds about right. Uh, destroy the German weapon codenamed Wrath. Outcome TBD. Notes. I do not know how our allies have done it, but they've pinpointed the new location of the German superweapon. Documents acquired from U.S. archives revealed that this information was acquired via ultra-intercepts, allied decryption of German radio traffic. Said documentation has been removed from the U.S. archives, now in Joint Foundation GOC custody. They positioned it on their northern flank, reinforcing their Romanian divisions. The Americans think that Commander Reynolds injured the thing and is recovering on what they think is a relatively quiet portion of the front. This is our chance to catch the weapon without its protectors in the German army. Operation Uranus is already going to strike the Romanians. I just need men specifically allocated to tackle this issue. And I do not need to state that if we do not destroy Wrath, it could impede our collective efforts to rout the Germans and regain the offensive. Would like to be Joseph Stalin. I would love to be Joseph Stalin. Play Joseph Stalin, Matt. This is a lot of men to divert to you, Vladimir. Tell me you have a plan. Sir, the, the men are to wedge open the Romanian line, to draw the creature out. Once it's occupied killing them, the artillery will flatten the creature and everything else within a mile of the area. The arc of the shells over the horizon and the distance ought to stop its distortions from hitting our artillery in return. And how will you make sure? That the creature is in the right position. When we lose radio contact with our squads, we will fire on their positions. Hmm. Even if you eat the creature, you will likely bombard our own men as well. That is correct. Acceptable. Proceed. Oh, Soviet Union. Uh, updates, forward Romanian line. <laughs> they got the job done, but <laughs> a million died in the process. Forward Romanian lines broken. Tactical and strategic surprise achieved. Conventional forces routed. Uh, we've got some reports. 1,500 of those infantry men are dead, along with two of their T-34s. Notes, losing contact with more, most forward units. Artillery barrage pending. Uh, kill count is up to 4,500 infantry. 17 of those T-34s have been destroyed. Artillery barrage miscalculated. Wrath is aware of our presence and unharmed, engaging. Artillery commander blank has been executed by his commissar. Reason, gross incompetence. Yeah. Blank. Yeah. Yeah, fuck you. Mm. 
20,000 infantry men dead, 30 T-34s. Wrath has fallen back to the town of blank, pursuing. 33,000 infantry men dead, five more T-34s. Wrath is using buildings within the town of Redacted to increase the lethality of distortions. Local commanders have pulled back from the town proper and used the cover of darkness to encircle Redacted. Uh, 2,000 more men dead, five more tanks. Artillery is being positioned around Redacted. System systematic barrage of the town is being planned. Artillery barrage commencing. Distortions in Redacted are becoming visibly more erratic. Buildings are likely being used as rudimentary armor. Artillery pieces being moved closer to ensure additional accuracy and lethality. Notes. Forge elements with sight lines on Wrath's area of effect recommend that if we survive this, the town of Redacted is off to be leveled and burned. Notes. We were wrong. Distortions use this cover. Wrath is coming for us. Notes. Is going for the artillery. Uh, we're down 50,000 infantry, 55 T-34s, and uh, 800 artillery pieces. Notes, plan has changed. Forward artillery positions have been fortified to slow wrath. When they are engaged, rear artillery positions ordered to fire on forward artillery positions. 60,000 infantry dead, 80 T-34s, 1,000 artillery pieces. Distortions have subsided. Infantry elements and remaining T-34s are to sweep forward artillery positions for confirmation. Notes, forward infantry elements are permitted to evacuate soldiers and civilians of redacted deemed salvable. For those not, forward infantry elements have been informed that all deaths within the town of Redacted will list as casualties of Wrath, regardless of forensic evidence to the contrary. Notes, we found Wrath. Update on Operation Kronos. 67,000 infantry dead, 83 T-34s, 12 artillery pieces. However, Wrath has been destroyed. For almost 40 years, Gru Division P covered up the discoveries of 6091, but when the Soviet Union fell, it fell to the GOC and the Foundation to do so. With the documents provided by the Foundation and the obscure core technology confiscated by the Allied Occult Initiative, the predecessor to GOC, the effects of viewing 1691 can now be accurately neutralized with amnestics and mimetic treatments. Every year, between 5 and 10 fragments of 1691 are discovered by civilian archaeologists, tourists, or construction workers traveling in the area surrounding its neutralization. All fragments are to be transferred to a joint GOC Foundation site holding other obscure core artifacts. Update to Special Containment Procedures. Containment Class Euclid. Disruption Class 2 Vlam. Risk Class 2 Caution. Special Containment Procedures. Undercover Foundation personnel assigned to major historical societies and academic institutions are to downplay, discredit, and delete all references to 1691 in modern World War II literature. Additionally, agents in the Foundation and the Global Occult Coalition are to embed themselves in Russian excavation efforts around the Battle of Stalingrad, anesthetizing any civilians who come in contact with 1691. Upon discovery, specialized units are to use level 2 memetic protective equipment to extract remnants of 1691 to a containment site. While the effects of 1691 are easily mitigated with modern anesthetic treatment, the sheer dispersal of 1691 fragments, meaning that containment efforts will likely be necessary for decades to come. It is likely that the last person infected by 1691 hasn't been born yet. So what'd you guys, uh, what'd you guys think? It was kind of weird. Um, I'm gonna be honest, I, like, it, the concept is really interesting, like, the whole, like, Oh yeah, the Germans experimenting on super weapons, but like, I don't know. I felt like it felt like there was something missing. Like it was good. Don't get me wrong. It just felt like there was like there was something that was like really core for my enjoyment of understanding wrath. That like now that you know after re like finishing it, 
it just felt like there was like a missing component that just would complete the puzzle because right now it feels like to me it almost feels like like a cliffhanger ending to a movie that never got a sequel yeah, I can you I know? can kind of feel that. I kind of wish we got to saw it to see it, but I do like how it was because obviously, like from the commander's perspective, you don't really get to see what, especially like in 1940. It's just like if nobody came back, you don't know what happened other than everybody got annihilated. Yeah, like I I don't I think that you know the timing thing. Yeah, that makes sense. I understand not seeing Raph, but oh, I think my biggest sort of issue that i had with the with the whole thing was that just like i guess a better explanation would be less of like a movie that never got a sequel and more of like it's a tv arc but you only ever watch the first arc and the show somehow got canceled before that i just realized what i think this is miss one of the things this is missing is uh pavlichenko's report on uh reynolds Mm, mm-hmm. It says that she's being debriefed on on what happened while uh he like like she was observing their mission and we don't see it. I think that kind of would have added to it a, a little bit. Yeah, like I I feel like there's th- this is like getting thrown into like an entire <clears throat> like story, not having any context, no, no, like you you have no idea what's going on, but you've heard good things about it, so obviously you got to read it. Well, I think the um. The first thing, he's a little too gung-ho on the bracketed, spaced-out update, note, transmission. I, It makes it a little bit more annoying to read through and get what you want out of it. It probably should have just been designed to be like the journal of the general instead of being beep, 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 beep. Because now I'm just wondering, how do we have all of this super detailed transmission stuff? Where, where are these right? Where are these notes coming from? Are they Morse code transmissions that we interrupted earlier? I I don't really understand how that they're having this kind of communication going back and forth. Um, and I think missing that makes it a little bit less realistic. Not to mention the simple fact that it kind of feels like you're just playing historical bingo sometimes with Stalin the female sniper and Roosevelt. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely feel that it's like, I, I like the concepts. I just feel like there just needs, there's like, it's a little too much and you don't get a lot out of it. I, I, I will, I will say this. I, I, I love the idea of going back in time and seeing how people a long time ago d- did with the anomalous. Cause I had heard about the, the, the obscure core and that the Nazis had used, uh, anomalies in the world war and that's kind of how like the goc and the foundation got started um because there's also another scp i think it's in the 1000 series um or maybe it's maybe it's in the the hundreds but it's about like an a a mad scientist who gives uh anomalous weapons to the um to the germans and to the french and they destroy each other and the scp is about the the weapons that were were used um in that battle so again like I like the concept, but again, I feel like the the issue is that there's there's so many spinning plates, and the one that finally stops spinning isn't like enough because there's still many spinning plates that I'm kind of more interested in. Like, yeah, cool, I... you destroyed Wrath, but like, I I feel like that you kind of it's kind of putting itself into a very iffy situation where like now I just don't care. 
Mm-hmm. I think it would have been more interesting if something, <clears throat> if you're going to include the presidents, what would be interesting is instead of having this whole shindig with like General Kirov or whatever, have a moment where like maybe General Kirov dies and the SCP reads the names of the president and Stalin and <clears throat> maybe the last thing the SCP does is it literally just switches the positions of Stalin and Roosevelt and there's a redacted document describing that this happened. That would be really funny to read. Yeah, I mean there's just like there's a lot that you can do with this whole like position switching thing. But like and like the like what's going on? Like the whole thing with like the lady death I- with like the streets changing and stuff. Like that's so cool. But like yeah, I... that's only like a small chunk of a really long read. This this definitely mm-hmm. need this definitely needs for somebody to make a tale that happens with the uh, the oh, the rat. Yeah, that's I, the I, I would love to see her. Because be, yes, because you can't that... really you, like you can't really do anything with the position switching from a combat perspective from this article's like perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I think that's pr- I think that's probably the best way to describe it is this is an SP- SCP that would be better suited for a tale. But they try to make it work in a document and it just doesn't really line up correctly. I think if it were to start off with the thing at the bottom, like the, the whole thing about uh, the shards at the bottom, and then you open up this sort of like document like this archival um document of what happened and what that is i feel like that would have been more interesting i think it's a structure thing that is like making me kind of like iffy on it i i i I will say scp writers keep the historical scps coming i want to see more i i i I really like the concept i am down for this sort of thing just please make it so i don't have to sit here for like 30 minutes going through this tale when I'm, I'm kind of here for the documentation about the SCP featuring the narrative, you know? Yeah. I have um, an interesting question. What's up? You have a choice. One historical figure is an NP is an SCP. Who do you choose? I, I was actually about, yeah. I was actually going to say not exactly historical figure, but King Arthur. Excalibur yeah, was was an anomalous sword, and Merlin was basically one was of the like the the, the yeah. Uh, yeah yeah. Either he was like an anomalous wizard, or like he he had knowledge of the uh, anomalous and knew how to harness it. Uh, a funny one, Marco Polo. That would be funny, and it's related to that the Marco Polo yeah, like, joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that that would be like that'd be my joke answer. I feel like the other one would be um. I feel like one of the the more oddball ones that you could probably do is um like the other like North America like the New World and the Old World sort of thing. I I, I was like really the New just World about to is say- treated as like an SCP for a while before it's like it would be counted as new, like neutralized because they figured out that it's just like it's just another continent. I was actually about to say Christopher Columbus goes on an adventure and discovers an alternate dimension that's just the Americas, and through fucking something up, he accidentally plops it on Earth, and it no longer. I know there is. Okay, so that reminds me of actually another neutralized NPC or not NPC neutralized SCP, which was 
for whatever reason, nobody, like, like basically Yellowstone didn't exist until one scientist who was using an SCP that lets them experience other realities went to a reality where Yellowstone was, like, well-known and existed. And then suddenly everyone's, like, had their, like, Mandela effect of, like, wait, Yellowstone's a thing? Huh. I wonder if there's an SCP really? that, that that's literally just the Mandela effect, but, like... I'm sure realized. there is. I'm sure there is. I mean, yeah. I, I think that there's so much that you can do with SCP. I'm down to see what happens. I, I want more. I'm down for more historical ones. But I think I think I'm going to this is going to be a small critique of later SCPs, like the more modern SCPs. I feel like their push for more narrative in their works kind of detracts from like what I really like about SCPs, which is the whole documentation part. And like ex- trying to explain an anomaly, because like this was cool, but I lost the part that I actually care about in an SCP. And I think that's sort of what like I've noticed this especially more is like I went from like series two to like series five and series six, where like they start pushing more for a narrative. When like what I care about for SCPs is, is trying to describe something that doesn't exist and make it sound weird and like out of this world you know hmm <clears throat> yeah okay. you know I, yeah. I i had a thought what if we got like there was a there was a second version like an accompaniment page that's like the obscure core they have like their own like scp article on wrath that you could read where it's like wunderwaffe number one object class Keteran, and then they describe the weapon if it wasn't for the fact that we had to sit through this like 700 mission debriefs. I would be fucking down for it. But this is already a super lengthy read. And I like, again, I don't really super care about the narrative. So like, if anything, I think that might actually enhance it. If it was like, if it was in, if it was added in a way where it was less like, uh, here like it was part of the story and it was more of like you're looking over documents and you're like you're reading like reading these letters and reading all this stuff so it's like it's more like you're shif- uh, sifting through files rather than you are just like reading this really long like whatever inside of like one folder that'd be a really interesting thing to do and you can have a um an scp generated master folder so that you have sort of documents pictures notes articles logs data yeah you could have a- like i feel like something this big kind of needs to have a lot of perspectives sort of merged into it mm-hmm. all right so uh we were wrapping it up here um next uh next time we do an scp episode uh matt has one for you see you all later we love you we love Bye-bye. you